short, but if God has called us to do something or to be something, all, all we have to do is surrender ourselves and God can do it through us. And God can do it through us. Amen. Amen. I'm excited about what God is going to do today. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what, what he has planned, but I feel that he has a word, a message to communicate to us. Uh, I'm going to, to continue in this series, we've got one more message after this in our, our forward sermon series. And today, I felt the Lord wanted to talk to us about follow strength, follow strength, uh, and what that is. Uh, so we read Joshua chapter 13. We'll just read one verse in Joshua 13. It says this, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years. <laughs> I like how God just makes it plain sometimes. <laughs> and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. God said, you're old, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Still a lot of work to be done. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you've given us to gather here in your presence, Lord, we're asking today, Lord, that your word would speak clearly to us. God, allow us to not only hear, but to receive, and not only to receive, but to believe your word and to act on it. God, uh, activate, stir our faith this day that when we leave this place, that we are moved to act upon your word, that we are moved to be who you call us to be, God, that fear would have no place here, that doubt would have no place here, that complacency would have no place here. But Lord, let us move beyond where we are and let us move into where you desire us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for standing and worship and the reading of the word. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you so much. And so uh, we've been, we've been with Joshua now for quite a few chapters. Um, Joshua chapter 13 and verse 1 marks, you know, exactly the second half of, of the story or this book of Joshua. It's split up into 24 chapters, 12 tell one portion, the other 12 tell another portion. And um, we're meeting up with Joshua and the Israelites in chapter 13, the point where God is speaking to Joshua once more and when God speaks to Joshua um, and he says, Joshua, uh, you're old and you're stricken in years, uh, I don't know what was going through Joshua's mind. Uh, perhaps he was thinking in that moment, because you know how sometimes people will be talking and we can have a million thoughts go through our mind uh, in the moment of what, they're, what they mean, uh, you know, and try to interpret what they say before uh, it's even finished. And perhaps Joshua was thinking, Finally, God recognizes that I'm old, I'm tired, and maybe he's telling me that, that, this, is, that this is over, that maybe it's time for me to rest. Uh, I haven't taken a nap in a long time. Maybe, I don't know what was going through Joshua's, Joshua's mind, uh, but unfortunately for Joshua, the part where God tells him that he's old doesn't end with the period, but it has a comma. And God was continuing to speak to him, and he says, you are old. But there is still so much 
there's still so much work uh, to be done. Now, at this point, from chapter 1 to chapter 12, about five years have passed by between chapter 1, when God first spoke to him, and he says, Moses, my servant is dead uh, until now. It's five uh, long and hard years of, of war, warfare that Joshua and the children of Israel were engaged in. And they won a lot of battles. They won a lot of battles, but war is still hard. War is still difficult. They were overcoming the enemy, but it was still hard on them, no doubt mentally and, uh, and, and, and physically. It's, it's kind of like anybody ever seen the picture of, of two boxers after a fight? Ever see it? Or like these UFC guys, and, and, and they'll fight, and, and one of them is the winner, but you look at their faces and you're like, man, both of you guys lost. Like, <laughs> this is not worth it. I don't care how much they're paying you. Like, not being able to open your eye for two weeks, that's really not, uh, that's, that's really not worth it. Um, and, and, and you can imagine, I can't imagine these, these things that they were going through because chapter 12 really highlights it when they, uh, they go through the list of kings that they had defeated. And they had defeated two kings on the east uh, side of, of the Jordan. Uh, Og and, and Sihon, uh, I believe, were their names. And the Bible tells us that there were 31 different kings or kingdoms that they had defeated on the west side of the Jordan. So that's at least 31 different battles. At, at least they might have had more than that. that that's a, a lot of, of work. Somebody say that's a lot of work. I, I mean, that, that's a lot of battles. Uh, that's a lot of battles to fight. It, it's almost... Uh, I, I wonder at the end of that sentence what Joshua w was feeling, uh, and, and I think there's, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of what he was feeling we can see later on in the chapter, but I think Joshua was feeling like how anybody ever got a job done at work, and you were feeling really good, and, and it's like, man, I'm done, I'm through with this, but then your boss comes up to tell you, like, hey, good job on that first part. You know, there, there's a, and you thought that was the whole thing. And you're like patting yourself on the back saying, I've accomplished this. I can relax for the rest of the day. But there's a whole stack of papers uh, waiting on the other side of the office for you. That's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like that, that feeling. It's kind of that, you know, like, oh, my goodness. And, and that's just like paperwork or, or, or people that, that you need to see. Or how about uh, anybody ever been stuck at an event that, like, you just, like, you wanted it to be over. And it seemed like, it seemed like, and this is going on forever. They have another person coming up to talk, or something else is going on. That's kind of like how I, how I felt, how I felt in in church one time. Um, I was I was playing. Um, nobody nobody's gonna hear this. It's okay. Um, I was playing guitar for this conference in Indianapolis. I was playing guitar, and, and I think I've told I've told some of you about it before. But I kid you not, we did two songs here today. Like two songs, four songs. I think that's that that's good. Like if you can't. Get, get with the Holy Ghost after four songs, man, just, just give up. But I kid you not, guys, I kid you not, we did 15 songs. We did 15 songs in, in one service, 15 songs, and it was all in another language. So I had no idea what was going on. I was just playing. I know I was playing in the right key, but I was like, Lord, I love you so much, but I need this service to end. My hands are bleeding, God. Please just help me. I was like, Lord, come on. I was, I was needing some deliverance, like from the service. Um, but y'all, but but y'all, y'all pray for me. Um, 
but, but that's how I felt. So I've got a little piece, I think, of what Joshua and the Israelites uh, were, were feeling. Not only was Joshua tired, but I think the entire nation was tired. Uh, because after this chapter, we see a, a fundamental shift in the lives of the Israelites or their journey uh, through the promised land. They, they, they were tired. And, and, and here's, here's my first point, is that we have got to be careful of the decisions that we make when we're tired. Uh, and I'm not just talking about being physically tired, but we've got to be careful of the decisions we make when we are spiritually or emotionally drained, exhausted, or, or, or tired. We've got to be careful of those decisions because Israel was tired, and the Bible tells us in, in Joshua 13 and verse 13, they had been given a command by God. So, so God told Joshua that there's still very, there's still a whole lot of work to do. There's still some people that you need to move out uh, from the land. There's still some some battles that you need to fight. But the Bible tells us in verse 13, but the sons of Israel did not dispossess the the Geshurites or the Maacathites, for Geshur and Maacath live among Israel until this day, until the time when when this uh, until this book. What was being written? They they did not dispossess them. Uh, perhaps they they took pity on on the Geshurites because uh, they had previously inhabited where Israel uh, was now taken over, but they had been moved out. These people of Geshur uh, had been moved out of their homeland by the by the Philistines, um, and so perhaps they took pity on them because they said we've we've had battles with these Philistines as well. And so we can kind of have unity uh, under a common enemy. I, I, I don't know, but they, but they took pity on them, and they took pity uh, on these people uh, of Machith who uh, were part of, of Syria uh, at one point. Uh, perhaps maybe they just didn't feel like fighting anymore, uh, but their decision to keep them uh, led to something unexpected. It wasn't something immediate it wasn't something that was obvious it wasn't something that was going to destroy them or destroy them uh, in a generation but hundreds of years later david uh, king david the man after god's own heart would marry a woman who was the daughter of the king uh, of the geshurites uh, he, he would marry her and they would have two children uh, one named tamar and the other named absalom and, and it's interesting that, that, that he married this woman uh, of Geshur, and his son, his very son Absalom, would be the one that would, that would lead an uprising against David that would cause him to flee for his life a second time, just like he did uh, with King Saul. Uh, even though the, the, the decision to keep the Geshurites did not have an immediate impact. Uh, it didn't seem to be something that would be that important. Uh, it was something that led to division in Israel uh, much later on uh, down, down the road. Uh, David, uh, their rebellion birthed more rebellion. And likewise, rebellion in us uh, births more rebellion. The problem with disobedience is that it does not come looking like what it turns your life into. Disobedience doesn't look like what it's going to turn your life into. It's wrapped up in words like it would be easier if, fill in the blank. It would just be easier if I did this. It wouldn't be as hard as I did this. Uh, and the difficulty 
with statements like it would be easier if I, I, I did this or I didn't do this. Man, this fly is attacking me. Somebody help me right now. <laughs> Trying to stop the word. Um, it, the, the problem with those statements is, is that they are, they are partially true because things might be easier for, for a moment or, or for a season, but what comes uh, but, but what comes later is what's dangerous. We do ourselves a disservice if we only look at the promises or the commandments of God through the lens of today. Do not look through the promises or the commandments of God through the lens of what you see right now or what you just see in the short term. Uh, the only way to look at the, the only way to look at the commandments of God are, are through the lens of eternity. That's the only way to look at the promise uh, of God. Our problems uh, multiply because we view our entire lives the way that most people view a diet. People, people will, will I mean, it's gonna get uncomfortable for some people. <laughs> people, but, but we, we all know people like this or maybe we might be that person but people that they'll have an event coming up and they're like, man, I got to starve myself for the next two weeks so I can lose 15 pounds because because I, I might, you know, I, I might see that 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 ex-boyfriend at a mutual friend's wedding. And I want to make sure that they know that I'm looking good and that I'm doing good. You know, anybody know somebody like that? Or maybe you've done that before, but don't raise your hand for that. <laughs> uh, but people, people will do ridiculous things for short-term for short-term gain and and the problem with going from diet to diet or crash diet to crash diet is that is that even though you'll get the results that you want for for an immediate time things never never stay the way that you want them to stay and then each diet that you take has to get a little more drastic and you end up doing more damage uh, than 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 uh, than you and then good that you intended for for it to happen uh, does that sound like does that sound like like us sometimes in the way that we live like we want certain results to happen like god god i, I need this to happen god i need something to change it and, and, and we'll fast for like three weeks and, and we'll pray in the altar we'll pray for like two hours a day and then when that blessing comes or when that promise comes and it's like god cool and we go back to the way that we were before and, and and now things got worse than than they were things made things over here may be better but spiritually now now i'm worse spiritually now i'm malnourished and i need uh, and i need to do something a little more drastic and, and eventually uh god is not is not succumbing to to my 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 trickery he's not he's not answering my my prayers the the, the things that i thought would work don't work anymore because god is looking on my heart and he's not just looking at my actions and now we become more desperate and so and so we look for other things to, to fill us but God didn't make us just to make it through tomorrow God made us to make it to eternity God did not make us to make it through tomorrow God made us to make it to eternity today we've got to get these geshurites out of our lives geshurites they don't represent the big things they don't represent uh, they, they don't represent the, the, the things that, that people can see, the people, the things that people can judge you based off of. But the guess you're right, they represent the small things. 
the little things, the little things that, that God is saying to get out of our lives, the things that God is saying, you've got to make room, you've got to make room for me in these areas, the things, the things that don't really seem that important, that God is saying that we need to get rid of, that God is saying that, that we need uh, that we need to change. That's what the Geshurites represent. Even though they don't seem like an immediate threat, those are the things that are going to cause division between us and God's people or us and a loved one or us and God himself. It's the small things that matter, that matter the most. Uh, and once we have stopped trying to view the promises of God or the word of God or the commandments of God through the lens of today, uh, we will recognize this truth that the promises of God can empower us. That so many times uh, when we, it's like God, God can give us a promise or he tells us, you know, that, you know, that we don't have to have a spirit of fear, but, you know, we can have power, love, and a sound mind. He's saying, you know, we can have all these things as a Christian, you know, we can have the fruit of the spirit and uh, we can walk in the power of the spirit. And sometimes the promises of God, it's almost, it almost has a reverse effect sometimes because we'll look at, you know, God is saying, that a Christian should have these things, you know, a Christian should be these things. And it's like we look at what God is saying that we can be, and we're discouraged because we're not there yet. Uh, we, become, we, we become disheartened because we have fallen short of this perfect Christian picture that, that we have painted uh, for ourselves. And, and because we are looking through the lens of today, uh, through this lens of immediate gratification, uh, of we're looking through the lens of the short-term promises of God and commandments of God and characteristics of a Christian that God is saying that we can have. They're discouraging us from, from growing because we're looking through the, long, the, the wrong lens. We, we, the promises of God should empower us to, to make it through. We have to look through the lens of eternity just like Caleb did in the very next chapter. For many of the Israelites, they were not willing to push out the Geshurites or, or any of the other people. Uh, they were content with just having their inheritance. Uh, but there was one man who showed himself as a, uh, as a faithful follower. Somebody say follower. A faithful follower uh, of God. And this man was Caleb. Joshua and Caleb were sent into Kadesh, uh, they were sent out of Kadesh Barnea into into the land uh, into the land of the Canaanites, uh, and and there, along with the ten, they uh, they saw the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God. They saw the Canaanites, and we know the story how that ten of the spies came back after forty days. They came back with an evil report, the Bible tells us. And they said that the sons of Anak are there. There are giants over there. And they even brought, they said, surely here's the fruit of the land. It is what God says that it is. It's exactly what God said, but there are enemies. There are battles that we have to fight. But Caleb and Joshua said that that surely we can, we can take them. The same God that brought us out of Egypt, the same God that, that brought us through the Red Sea, the same God that, that gave us manna from heaven is the same God that is able to, to allow us to overcome. That, that, that's the report 
that he gave, but the 10 other spies, they gave this evil report, and Caleb tried to quiet them down, but eventually the 10 spies went out to the two. But Joshua and Caleb were rewarded because nobody else out of that generation was able to see the promised land, but they were able to. And Joshua, we know that he became uh, second in command to Moses, and eventually he became the leader. Uh, but not a whole lot is said about Caleb. But Caleb, the Bible tells us, was, was faithful and, and following God. In fact, the Bible tells us that he wholly uh, followed after, after the Lord. And now Caleb, uh, he's saying, it's been a long time, and we've been fighting a lot of battles. And he says, uh, in, in verse 7 of chapter 14, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, and he begins to tell the story about, about how the hearts of the people melted because, uh, because of the word of the, of the ten other spies. Uh, and he says, Moses, uh, Moses says, but I followed whole holy after the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord uh, my God. And he says in verse 10, And behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he said, These forty and five years, even since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am in this day, 85 years old. And he says this in verse 11. I hope I can say this at 85. And as yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in all that and I tell you that the Anakims were there, and the cities uh, were great and fenced. If so, be the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And he says, I, I know that I'm old, and I know that there are some enemies that are still there. But Moses gave me a promise. God gave me a promise at the place, the place where, 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 where I saw the victory, that's where I would be able to go. The place where I declared that God would be able to overcome, that's, that's where I'm going to. And God gave him the same place where Israel suffered a, probably its greatest defeat without raising a sword, without firing a bow, without anybody losing their life. That's where Israel uh, suffered their greatest defeat was when they left Kadesh Barnea and, and they saw the Canaanites and they said that we cannot overcome them. But but, but Caleb said, I need to go back to that place, and I need to reclaim the glory of Israel. And he went into battle after battle, wilderness after wilderness for 45 years. And no doubt he went into every battle energized with strength and with power and with courageous, uh, with a courageous attitude because he said, there's no way that I can go into this battle and die because God has given me a promise. And he knew that God, that God does not lie. And he looked through the lens of eternity. And he says, even though it hasn't happened yet, if I continue to fight, if I continue to battle 
eventually there's going to come a time where the promise of God is going to come to pass. Uh, I'm here to speak to somebody today that we need the, the, the strength of Caleb, and that strength is to follow. That strength is to follow wholly after God, even when things don't seem like they're going to go our way. Caleb was there when they lost because of, because of Achan, where 36 men, the Bible tells us, they died in that battle. He was there when they were fighting it, and it looked like they wouldn't be able to win. He was there when they won in victory after victory and after victory. And he didn't say, is it time now? Is it time now? But he waited for the moment when God said, now it's time to divide up our land. And he didn't say, man, I, he didn't compare his blessing or his inheritance to what the children of, of Judah or the tribe, uh, the tribe of Manasseh or Ephraim. He, he didn't say I'm comparing. Uh, he, he didn't say these people weren't even there to fight all the battles or or they don't know what, what we went through. They, they don't know how, how much I overcome. They don't know how close I was to Moses. No, he says, he says, I am content with what God gave me. And he says that what, what God gave me, I'm not going to compare it to what other people have. I'm not going to compare it to their victories. But he says, whatever God has given me, whatever inheritance that God has placed me in stewardship over, whatever resources God has placed me as a steward over, he says, I'm going to conquer that with, because, because of the strength that is in me is not strength according to my body because my body one day may be frail. I may be sick in my body and not be able to get on my bed one day. There may come a time where, where, where I'm not able to walk around the way that I wanted to walk around, but I want to have that Caleb strength, that follow strength that says that it doesn't matter what is going on. No doubt Caleb was 85. No doubt his, his bones were, were, were feeling a little bit weaker and no doubt he couldn't fight. He couldn't didn't swing the sword the way that he once did, but there was something on the inside of him. That strength was on the inside of him that said, said, now no matter what, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm asking today that if your physical strength has waned or your emotional strength has waned, I, I, I'm asking if you can look for a different kind of strength, a strength to follow God in spite of what we see. A strength to follow God and to be and to wait on him and to serve him and to be patient upon his word. I, I'm asking, can we wait for that follow strength, the ability to wholly follow after the Lord? Notice Caleb did not receive promises or victory for the Bible tells us that he was able to overcome the, the area uh, that he saw. He was able to have victory, but he did not have victory. And, and the Bible doesn't tell us that, that he received this inheritance because, uh, because he was the best speaker or he was the best warrior or, or that uh, he was able to motivate more people than anybody else. But it simply says that he received his promise, that he received his inheritance because he followed, wholly followed, the Lord his God. He completely followed the Lord his God. Today, what I'm asking is, is where uh, in ourselves, where is it that I'm not following God? Am I, am I following God physically? Am I, am I showing up to church? Am I, am, I, am I lifting up my hands? Am I, am I singing songs? Am I, am I saying amen? Am I following God that way but not following him somewhere else? 
am I allowing bitterness in some area of my life uh, to, to resonate because I'm not seeing what I thought that God would do? I, I, I thought, uh, you know, as, as a Christian that certain things were supposed to happen in a certain amount of time. I'm asking today to, to examine ourselves, to examine yourself and to see, God, where is it that I'm not following you? God, where is it that I'm weak? And I'm not saying it in a way so that you can beat up on yourself or, or to feel bad. I don't want anybody walking out of here with their head hanging down. But, but today, recognize that God has given us the opportunity to follow wholly after him. That if we have come to a point now where, where we haven't given God everything, where we haven't laid everything down, where we haven't sacrificed everything, today is the opportunity that God has given us to follow after him. And we will, he will show up just like he did for Caleb. Amen. Where he says, oh, that thing that they've been praying for, that thing that they, that, uh, some of our prayers, it, it's, it's, you know, what we do is, is we lift them up to God. And we say, God, take this. God, fix this. God, God, work on this. And God wants so badly oftentimes to work on the things that we pray for. But we, but we lift it up to him, and then we hold on to it. And we say, God, work on this. Work on this right now, God. Every hand's lifted, or maybe you're praying, you're kneeling. God, God work on this right now. And then, and then we pray, and we're, and we're done, and then we say, And then we walk because because we're expecting, we're saying, God, God, work on it right now. But but don't but, but, but God, don't 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 try to teach me how to dis discipline myself so that I don't get myself into the same way you're thinking that I've always been in. And we lift things up to God and God is saying, why don't you lay them down? Lay them down. So today what I'm asking is that somebody laid down some burdens. As somebody laid down some burdens, the, the, uh, this, this sermon is finished and the music is going to begin to play, but, but today, lay down some burdens. We should not walk out of here with our heads hanging down and depressed, but we should walk out of here in victory and in courage. Can somebody today, as we begin to pray together, can somebody begin to take some burdens that are on your shoulders, thinking that you have to have the, your own strength to do it, that, that you have to have the strength to figure something out, that you have to have the strength to make it through this trial? All I'm asking today is that we lay down some burdens and we pick up the strength just to follow Jesus, that we just pick up the strength to follow Jesus. Well, let's begin, let's begin to pray together. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would help us this day. God, to trust in you, just as Caleb did, Lord. Just as Caleb did, God, you gave him the word. You gave him the promise. And, Lord, he did not question. God, he did not doubt. But, Lord, he continued to fight. He continued to battle. And when the time was presented itself for him to receive, Lord, he asked. And he received. And he continued to fight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's it, church. That's it, church. That's it, church. Well, God is lifting up some burdens today. God has given somebody the strength to walk into a battle knowing you're victorious. That's it, church. Somebody receive victory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Uh, we surrender all to you this day.
Hallelujah.